Welcome to Reflect the Life You Want, where we talk about not only how to survive, but to thrive. I'm your host, Tim Howard, man school strategist, former Army officer, successful Homes for Heroes real estate agent. This show will focus on living a life of greatness, of wholeness, and completeness. This show will be talking about our dreams, our goals, and how to go about creating them. So join me to learn how to reflect and design the life you want to live. Hello, this is Tim Howard, the host of Reflect the Life You Want, and I'm excited today to have as my guest, Pastor Mark Sewersby of Cowrie Community Church, but more importantly, the author of Forgiving the Nightmare. You can see a picture of his book in the background there. I've got a copy right with me. I've been reading, and uh, Mark, you and I recently met through a good friend of mine, Tony Festa. I refer yep. to as Antonio, and uh, okay. Anthony, Tony is a uh, Italian, and uh, he and I uh, go back about twenty plus years. Um, but you met Tony some time ago. He was—he's a former Marine. I'm a former Army officer. You met Tony. He was up visiting a friend of his up in your part of the world, Massachusetts, and you guys connected there. So I thought. When I heard your story, we met recently. Tony was uh, hosting an event uh, for interest around a a mission trip going down to Ecuador. I've been down there with him three times with his Raise and Release ministry, and you and I connected there. And I heard your story, and and I got a copy of your book there then. And it's just such a powerful story. I thought, we got to get Mark on the show. We got to talk about the book because the things that you share and what you've learned and lived through and your testimony are powerful for others. So welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Tim. Yeah, it was great meeting you, and I'm glad we have that connection through our friend Tony. Well, again, I've never served, and I got to go into this world of military guys and stories <laughs> and experiences, and it was great listening to all everyone and showing me the culture of the military. And, uh, you know, we'll never forget Tony because – how do we all mean it? He points at his toe and his knee and he says, you'll never forget me because I'm toe knee. And uh, it's true. I'll never forget it because because of that. And then we got to connect and it, just want to thank you again for having me on. Let me apologize up front here. I'm dealing with some allergies today, so I'm a little nasally. Uh, we have more pollen falling on the cars. We've got like an inch thick around here up up here in the great oh, northeast. And so I'm going to deal with a little bit of this. So I want to apologize to you and to your listeners, but I'm sure uh, you can still hear my voice. You sound great, Mark. So we, we well, get that you. pollen down here too, a little earlier in the year than you guys do up north. Yeah, 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 it's true. Well, I thought um, maybe just to start off, maybe uh, you can, Mark, just share with us some of your personal story, your history, maybe how you got involved in ministry and how you came about to write this book, which is powerful. Well, sure. Uh, you know, I guess I'll start with what we call in our circles, my testimony. You know, yeah. my testimony is simply this, is that from the time of uh, the age of seven till I was 14, I was horribly abused. I grew up mm-hmm. in a dysfunctional home and the abuse came in every way, shape and form. I was emotionally, physically, uh, verbally and sexually abused from the ages of seven to 14. Uh, I got big enough to, to fight off my abuser. I found my defender and my uncle who who protected me. And and then around 16, and of course, I'm just jumping here in the story, around 16 years old, I, I ended up in a church youth group. And after a series of events, uh, somebody asked me if I want to make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. I said, yes. I made, said what uh, the, the sinner's prayer, as we say in our circles, 
And then I wish I could tell you life was easy after that, but no, it was a life of uh, learning to deal with the past and trusting the Lord and walking in grace and learning to die to self and live for God and all the problems that life brings with dealing with the trauma of abuse in my back. So mm -hmm. uh, background. So, uh, you know, about, about two years ago, I hit 50 years old. Uh, my mom recently passed about two years ago. There was an awakening mm -hmm. to me. I, I've always wrestled with weight. Uh, I realized I'm a father of four and I was, I was bigger than I am now, and I thought, you know, I got to do something about this, and I and I prayed because that's what I do. I said, Lord, I need help, and uh, I help to get healthy, and I, I wanted to lose weight. I wanted to become a skinny mini, you know. Uh, but realizing that my prayer was probably much more than just the weight, it was like God started to reveal why I ate so much and what I was hiding, and He started to do a great work in me and started to help me overcome some of those bigger obstacles and hurts in my life that would lead me to food disorders and such things like that. So mm -hmm. that's it in a nutshell, but there's a lot that happened in between. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, well, I can't, I can't imagine. I should, I should rephrase that because, uh, you know, when, when I met Tony and I got a copy of your book and you signed for me graciously and uh, you put, uh, you know, the scripture, First Corinthians thirteen thirteenth, is um, which I'll, I'll have you speak to. Um, but he's Tony said you just need to read the first thirteen pages. Let me know when you've read the first thirteen pages. I was like okay, and so that night I, I was going out after you and I had met at that event, but uh, sure. I kind of skimmed through it and then I started reading the book the next night and I was like, oh wow, wow! Well, and I, immediately after I started, I. I I went on Amazon and I bought a copy and I sent it to a friend of mine who has a ministry uh, called uh, Faith uh, Freedom After Trauma about sure. victims of uh, sexual abuse, sexual trafficking. Sure. So it was just so, so powerful. What, what, when I say I can't imagine, because I cannot imagine the suffering and abuse that you went through and, but then your ability to forgive and you write about that extensively and then the steps you've taken. So I wonder if you might just sh share with yeah. us how you got to this place of being able to forgive and sure. share these stories. Sure. Well, the first 13 pages of my book usually gets a lot of attention and it's mm -hmm. because that's the, the, the testimony of the ugliness, the trauma. Right. I really kind of speak about some of the abuse. I try not to be uh too detailed. I try to be very honest, but not glorifying the, mm -hmm. the hurt. So I spoke it from my heart. I spoke it from my experiences. And most people hear that and go, wow, how could you have overcome this seven years of use? My, my body was stabbed and raped and, and burnt, and I was sold to others for people to abuse me. And, mm -hmm. and I would say that I call my book Forgiving the Nightmare because everybody has a nightmare. You know, right. you may not have experienced my trauma of a child abuse, but I'm sure that you and other listeners today have had a trauma in their life that I could not even fathom. Mm -hmm. I, you know, there's death and addictions and sorrows and pains that I can't even imagine. I know my little sliver, my little pain, my little hurt, my hurt, my, my reality, but I, I call the book forgiven the nightmare because we've all have a nightmare. We all have something that we're wrestling with. Mine was child abuse. Mm -hmm. So how did I get to the place to forgive? How did I, you know, 
I, I believe that God's word is true. I believe God is true. And if, if my faith is real, then God has to be real. It just can't be something I say or, or do. It has to be a present. And because I believe my faith is present and God is present, when I started on this journey, it really wasn't to forgive. It was I wanted more of God. I, I wanted the real God. I didn't want some religious God. I didn't want just the God of thou shall not. I just didn't want the, the practice or the habits. I wanted to know the God who loved me. So as I started to seek God, I, I wasn't really saying, hey, God, I want to forgive my abuser or forgive my past. I just wanted to know the God who loved me. And, and I was told I could find out about that God in the Bible. And so I started to read the Bible. I started to listen to others who knew more about God. But mostly I started to pray. I started to trust. I started to listen. And, you know, it took me a while to figure out what was me and what was God and what was right, what was wrong, what was up and what was down. And I'm still learning that today. But mm -hmm. on that journey is where I think God, I said, God, I want to be more like you. I want to you know, crucify the flesh. I want to walk and carry my cross. I want to speak like you. I want to reflect the things of God. Not perfectly, because I'm not. But that's what I wanted to be. So on that journey, wanting more of God is where I think God started saying, okay, Mark, let's go to this place of forgiveness. Boy, I wasn't ready for it. God, I can't. how could you ask me to forgive? I wanted vengeance. I was angry. I would ask the hard questions. Where were you? Just like everybody else. But before God would even bring me there, he taught me to love. He taught me to trust. He taught me to hope. He taught me to believe. And then in that being the foundation, then he said, Mark, let's go and forgive. And believe me, it wasn't easy. A lot of altar time, a lot of tears. My forgiveness came through sweat, tears, and, uh, you know, sweat. So that's how my forgiveness came. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, um, that, again, that scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it's about faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of That's these right. is love. That's right. It, it takes an incredible amount of love, I think, oftentimes, and it doesn't necessarily come from within us. You know, it, it comes from God that we have the capacity to love our enemy or love our abuser or love the person that's done us harm. And our capacity to develop that love for others to be able to say, I forgive you. It, it's not that I'm saying what happened is okay. No, not at it's all. Just saying not that, at all. you know, if, if I truly love and I truly have the faith that God wants me to have, I'm able to forgive the horrible thing that you did to me. And I would say I've only been able to forgive through Jesus Christ. My love is first to God. Mm -hmm. And I and I try to love God with all that I am. And I want to love the things God loves. And God loves people. He's also a just God. And I, I believe that he will be just and he's a righteous God. And he'll, he'll have righteousness. See, it was kind of like this, Tim, that I would think in my life, I was waiting for the day that I'd wake up and it'd all be gone. I went to church, I said the prayer, I read the Bible, I quoted the scripture, I claimed and I did all the things that we do. I even put a couple of dollars in the plate waiting for that day. I would wake up and it would all be gone. And that day never came. Even today as I speak to you, I still remember my past. I still remember my abuse and the hurt and the pain and the lie. How could I ever forget the, the beatings and the abuse that my body took? It's a part of my narrative. It's a part of who I am. I wish it wasn't, but it is. So yeah. what happened was, is because that day never went away, I would say, God, what's going to happen? Mm -hmm. And one day what happened was God became bigger. 
as big as that mountain of hurt and pain and sorrow is and mm. was, God became bigger than all that. And I don't say that lightly. I don't say that ignorantly. I don't say that just in a religious way. I say that honestly. That mountain, that Everest of pain, that what shined over me or, or gloomed over me or loomed over me, I think is the word. God became bigger. God's love, God's grace, God's mercy, and God's spirit and his word became bigger than all the pain. And when God became bigger than all the pain, then I wanted to walk in his righteousness, walk in his love. And to love God is to love others. Now, what does it mean to forgive? It doesn't mean to forgive and forget. You know, I, I think that's how can you forget? It doesn't yeah. mean that I don't seek justice. If somebody abuses your body or does something illegal to you, oh, I forgive you doesn't mean that I don't still desire justice. It doesn't mean that I have to, um, I have to, you know, have kumbaya moments. We don't do Christmas morning, you know, those that abuse us. Um, it doesn't mean that it's done in one time. I'm learning to forgive all the time. I tell people I forgive what's in front of me. And, you know, maybe tomorrow there'll be another slice, another point, another issue that will arise. And I'll say, oh, God, I need your help again. So it's a process for me. God forgive instant. Amen. But I think sometimes we have to forgive in the process. So yeah. hope that helps a little bit. You, you talked about in some of the way you're describing this, kind of walking this out. And, you know, the, your beautiful cover of the design of your book it's kind of like I, I can imagine hiking in those hills yeah but in the in the book the way you've laid it out is in the the main part of this transformation for you you talked about it as trail markers yeah and then I'm, I'm wondering what you know what was that concept for you and what does that mean and then these trail markers along your walk of faith what does that look like what, what are some maybe some practical things that you could share with our listeners that haven't yet had the opportunity to read the book, hopefully they'll order a copy and sure. get a chance to. What sure, are, what know, are those use, trail markers? Yeah, I use this image of trail markers. I love to hike. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I was able to hike the highest peak in New York. It's called Mount Marcy. Yeah. And, and really, when you're hiking, you have to follow the trail marker. Uh, because if not, you can get easily lost, right? A forest kind of looks all the same after a while. And, and, and you have to follow the right ones because sometimes they merge, sometimes they split off, sometimes they're together. You know. So when you're following a certain trail, you have to follow these markers or you can get lost or confused or turned around. So I kind of use the imagery of a trail marker to say, you know what, on the journey of forgiveness – there are markers on our way. Now, I, I would tell you the first two pillars for me was prayer and the Bible. But, okay, what's the practical side of that? Okay, pastor, we know you pray. We know you read the Bible. But what do I do on Monday? What do I do on Tuesday? You know, how do I get through this? So, you know, I started to put some practical steps uh, on, first of all, being honest with myself. You know, first of all, I had to be honest with me. that think not everything in my life happened because I was abused. Not every bad thing happened because I was abused. Now, now, believe me, for a long time, I had a chip on this shoulder that was bigger than you want to know. And I had to kind of get to that place where going, sometimes this big mouth got me in trouble, not the past. Yeah. I had to have friends come into my life that would speak to me honestly. You know, hey, bro, we love you. Here's a whole thing of Tic Tacs. And, you know, that's, that's far and few between because a lot of people want to tell you things, but those few friends that can really speak and lift you up and rebuke you and hold you to accountability. And, and I think the biggest thing is 
is I saw myself as a victim. Why wouldn't I? Right? Yeah. Why wouldn't I see myself as a victim? I was. Uh, and so what happened was is one day I was at the altar and God was telling me I was no longer a victim. And that, yeah. he didn't say it out loud. It was in my heart of hearts, my mind, my spirit. I kind of recognized that. And literally I said in my prayer, I said, God, if I'm not a victim, what am I? Because it's all I knew. And the Lord spoke to my heart and, and said, you're no longer a victim. Now you're victorious. So these trail markers of, of being honest and being genuine and, and not being a victim and, and not blaming others and having friends in your life. And, and these, these markers that, that help me stay grounded are the trails that help me walk through forgiveness. So, yes, the pillars are prayer. The pillars are God's word. The altar is a great place. Believe me, I shook my fist at the altar. I cried at the altar. I said, God, where are you at the altar? All those things. But, okay, I wake up the next day. Now what do I do? And it was putting practice into this forgiveness process. Yeah. That's quite a journey. As you're talking, you know, ahead of the show, I had asked you to take a look at the Reflect Acrostic and uh, Reflect the Life You Want as the theme of the Mirror Book Project and the title of this. And as you're talking, a couple of things kind of stuck out for me is one was, you know, recognizing that power to change came about through a lot of prayer. That's but it. then the other thing you touched upon, the C chapter is clarify your inner circle. And it sounds like you had people that loved you and cared about you that were willing to speak into your life and lovingly confront you to help you to gain that self-awareness to make that change. That's right. That's right. You know, when I was, when I, when I came into the church at 16 years old, and I'll tell you, it wasn't a perfect church. There's no perfect church. It had its problems. It had its craziness. It had everything. But there I found some real nice people. Not perfect people. They had their issues just like anywhere else. But people who cared about me. And those people gave me a good hug, and and meta metaphorically, 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 you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, uh, metaphorically. Yeah. You know, I never really, but you know, some of those fathers in my when I was a teenager, they kind of took me under their wing as they would speak to their own children and, and give me some warnings and some blessings. You know, they so uh, you know, so I had a lot of people rally around me. I didn't know how to deal with that then. You know, I was this broken kid. I tell everybody that, you know, I thank God that my body healed pretty quickly. You know, that's how bodies are made. And thank God for me, it healed pretty quickly. But the scars that my abuser left was the psyche, was the mental scars, the emotional scars. You know, I was wrestling with insecurity, wrestling with value, wrestling with ability, having my dignity and my self-respect was all stolen from me yeah. for years, for years. And still today, that's still on thin ice. If there's a big enough boo, I still want to duck. Uh, so, you know, I still wrestle with those things that, that my abuser still had control over me. My abuser is, uh, he's not dead. Uh, he is, he's bedridden. His body is filled with a disease. He's in a nursing home or a rehab and he's lost all the facilities as capital of his body. But, um, you, you know, his his words still echoed in my mind and in my heart. And the forgiveness was able to release that. And my release was, God, I don't want to have a picnic with him, but I'm going to give him to you. And you will be a just God. You will be a righteous God and you will be a loving God. 
and mm-hmm. Lord, that, it, it's it, it severed the tentacles that the abuser still had over me, and it helped me start thinking sober and honest and real about myself that, hey, I'm not the best guy in the world, but I'm probably not the worst, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm probably just like the next guy. We're all trying to pay the bills and love our kids and walk through life and be nice to our neighbor. And just So so I think that's what happened in that journey that my body healed, but for years, you know, that abuser was still here and here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the L chapter of the Reflect Acrostic is to love yourself and to let others know you love them. And for yeah. me and you in our faith system, you know, we believe that that source of that love is from God. Amen. And, Amen. and when we've been uh, abused or we've had some sort of trauma or we've not experienced that healthy kind of love in our life, Oftentimes our self-worth, and I, and I know, can speak for myself, um, things that I didn't have that sense of self-worth and feeling that I was loved or that uh, I was fully loved. And, and it held me back from being sure. the best version of myself I could be because I didn't necessarily feel worthy of what I was receiving that might come into my life that God had a plan for me that was good. Because uh, yeah. I wasn't being grateful, you know, the each first E chapter is each day to be grateful. I wasn't actually grateful what I had. So I was looking for something that was missing and I wasn't appreciating what was already in my life. And I'm imagining oh, as you're walking through those trail markers is that God put people in your life like your uncle. Yes. Uh, your girlfriend who became your wife. Yes. Uh, different people in your life. These people that spoke into your life that showed you love that helped you to, you know, maybe you had to borrow belief that you were loved before you became self-aware that I am loved and I am loving. That's right. That's right. You know, and, and again, I think sometimes in life we, we never appreciate what we do have. You know, sometimes we're always looking for the next thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and sometimes we have to slow down and say, you know what, I have some pretty good stuff here. And I understand that. I, you know, I, I was a, a part of my um, psyche was the way I dealt with it. As I wasn't a fighter, I flee. I was always fleeing, fight or flee, or mm-hmm. flight or flight. I was always fleeing. So I, I, I never wanted to stick around. I always wanted to be on the run. I always wanted to be on the move. Uh, when when the pressure got loud, when the voices got loud, I wanted to flee. But I had people, you know, pull me under and say it's okay. And it was hard for me to believe that. Why would they love me? Why would they love this broken, messed up, insecure, inability, uh, you know, special ed student? Why would they why would they love me? But slowly that love began to uh, crack, I guess you would, this rock and, and crack this pain. But it was God's love ultimately that, mm-hmm. that said, I love you. And it was hard for me to believe that. You know, why would mm-hmm. God love me? And, and if he did love me, why did he allow this to happen to me? And uh, yeah. so those were the real questions that I asked on the journey and I try to answer or at least, at least give my opinion or, or testimony in my book, Forgiven the Nightmare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's what's interesting to me reading is like, you're, you're very, it's like very concrete. You take a scripture with an idea and, and then with practical application, like the one thing that I was uh, reading, you know, you had these five myths about forgiveness and then yeah. the five truths about forgiveness. So I wonder if you would just touch upon any of that. 
you know, and I, I got to tell you, I, I stole that from somebody else. I cited him in the book. That's not yeah. just mine. Dr. You know, Sam Storm. Yeah, Sam Storm. He did a great job with that. I read that and that. I called him up. I said, I said, Brother Storm, you don't know me, but can I use your stuff? He said, <laughs> go right ahead, because that just echoed so well about five myths and five truths. And again, I think that, you know, as a Christian, the default of the Christian is a good default. We want to forgive. We mm-hmm. we know that we've been forgiven, so we want to forgive others. We know the scriptures that say, uh, how can how can my heavenly father forgive you if you don't forgive others? We know the Lord's Prayer, forgive those who trespass against us. As we so as the default for the Christian is to forgive. And and I think it's a good, it's a noble thing. But I also think that we don't always allow ourselves to go through the process. David wrote, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And I think sometimes we've got to walk through some stuff to be able to really forgive. I, I'm a pastor. Uh, you know, i got a real church with real people. I've pastored all of my adult life in one capacity or another. And I've met many people at church that will look at you and say, I've forgiven but under the surface, an inch, just scratch the surface, and all that anger is going to come out. And I don't think we do a good job in the church to allow people to say, I'm angry, I'm hurt, I'm frustrated, I'm confused, and be able to walk them to a God who could love them through it and give them a, a, a process. So I believe you could, you know, there's counselors and psychiatrists and, and coaches and pastors and whatever you need. I think that, that we can come to that place and learn the process of forgiving. So I, I love that as Christians, we want to forgive because Christ has forgiven us. But do we truly go through the process and allow people to say, hey, I, I'm still angry. I'm still yeah. hurt. You know, and I think some of those myths about what forgiveness is or what forgiveness isn't, as we talked about, forgiveness isn't forget. You know, we don't forget. You know, it doesn't mean that I let you off the hook. You know, if you done something illegal to me, something illegal, criminal, I might forgive you, but I, you're, you know, there's the wages of sin. You know, this. So. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's one of the, I think I was one of the first ones, contrary to what many had led to leave, forgiveness is not forgetting. That's um, right. I like this uh, one too. It says forgiveness is rarely a one-time climactic right. event. So I'm, I'm imagining right. for you, as you've been working through this, and even at this point in your life, there's probably still hurt and anger and frustration from things of the past that you're still having to forgive, even though you've been working on it for a while. Well, let me tell you a story. So, you know, I've, I've been dealing with this my, my whole life, you know? Mm -hmm. So I remember, I I thought I was in a pretty good place and my wife, she, she gave birth to our, our first child. Just like any young father, I was nervous and excited. Oh, no, I'm somebody's dad. Poor kid. You know, everything that we feel. And we went to the hospital. The baby came into the world in the usual way, 10 fingers, 10 toes. Every mom and baby was healthy. And they put the baby in my hands. And I could not believe the love that I could have for another human being. You know, I think any parent would understand. And in that moment... As I was holding my son close to me and thanking God for my son, the lies of the enemy were trying to overtake me. 
Mm. And, and it would say, no one ever loved you like this. Mm. And I'll tell you, here's this moment where, you know, these two things are going on inside me, this instant love for my child who was just recently, you know, newly born, and this lie of the past that was trying to come in and say, no one ever sacrificed for you. No one ever, no one ever loved you as much as this. No one would ever go, you know, give you everything like you would give this child. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, in this this dichotomy of of flesh and spirit, I felt like the Lord came into my heart and said, "But I've always loved you that much." Mm-hmm. And that reality gave me a peace. So yeah, uh, you know, I think what I I get angry at now, what I have to learn to forgive now, is when I have those insecurities of the past, when I have the inabilities. What would my life be like if this didn't happen to me? You know, what What did my abuser, not only physically, not only emotionally, but what did, they, what did he steal from me that I did not do? You know, what would I have been? You know, but ultimately we know that God orders our steps and directs our path. And he takes what the enemy meant for evil and he uses it for good. Yeah. I think that's a great segue into, um, I always like to ask a couple of questions of my guests is like, you know, you've been working at this for a while. You've written this book. You're um, you're pastoring other people. You're helping other people. You're a father of four children. Your wife is like, what are you right now at this point in life, Mark, working on to reflect more the life that you want to live out? You know, I think as you get older, I'm a little bit over 50 now. You look back and, you know, a young man has ambitions, you know, you know, a young man wants to change the world. And, you know, now you look back and I think I'm starting to realize that I still have ambitions and desires and goals, of course. But you realize you want to leave a legacy. You know, I think that I came from such dysfunction. You know, I was born from an affair. I was abused by my mother's husband. There was... There was just dysfunction, uh, insecurities, inabilities, pain, sorrow, and I and I want to be the generation that stops it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm probably passing enough junk down to my kids, but I'm trying to you know be the generation, the dam, if you would, you know, that says all that stuff. Hopefully stops with me, and, and my kids will will go a little further. Not because they're better, not because they're smarter, not because they're richer, because they're not going to learn this dysfunction. So I think what I want to see, the legacy I want to leave, because I'm not going to leave them a big inheritance. I'm not going to leave them something great and famous, but I want to leave them Christ, and I want to leave them a hope that I never had. And that hope is that you could do you could do whatever you want. You know, my kids don't have these anchors on them like I had. Oh, they got other stuff. They're not perfect. Even though my son thinks so. 16, getting ready to get his driver's license. He's got a pretty good good view of himself. But, you know, the 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 just the pain of the past, the dysfunctions, the inabilities that I believe I'm the, I'm the dam that that hopefully some of it will stop here and won't go on any further. Mhm. Anything practically you work on daily to help you with that or any? Oh, yeah. You know, of course, my prayer life and my and my reading God's word. Mm-hmm. That's something I have to stay in daily. You know, I, you know, that is really if 
if I want to be a changed man, if I don't want the past to rise up, if I want my to tame my tongue and control my thoughts and let the heart of stone become a heart of flesh and let the mind be transformed, I believe with all my heart the only way that can happen is in God's word. Because I'm like everybody else. You know, I, I get angry. I get frustrated. I watch the news. I, I have my opinions. Buy me a cup of coffee. I'll tell you everything about it. But you know what? I... I, I, I believe the only thing I can really do is stay uh, stay in Christ. The Bible says, abide in me and I'll abide in you. And that's really where everything stands for me. So as much as I wish I could say it's A, B, and C, it's really God's word and God's, God's presence. And in that is where I'm able to love more and sacrifice more and, and, and hope for more in that faith. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. And I think about, um, that's probably a great segue into, uh, you know, I always ask my guests to say, well, if, if, if there's a piece of wisdom that you've gained to this point in life or something you could share with your, an earlier version of yourself or someone you might share with someone you encounter is like, what is that one thing of wisdom to this point in your life that, you would share with others to reflect more of the life that they want? I, I would say that, you know, the wisdom I learned from me is that God is love and he, God gives us patience. He's patient with us. You know, I yeah. wanted everything to happen quickly. I wanted to be healed quickly. I wanted to be skinny quickly. I wanted to make money quickly. I wanted to be, and I wanted it to happen overnight. And, and it did it, right? I had to grow as much as I had to change. And God was merciful with me. And I tell people that, that know God or will come to know God or are walking in, walking in this story of forgiveness, they hear me go, listen, Jack, I'm not you. I don't have this religion thing. How can I do what you're doing? And I say, God is merciful. I've took one step back and, and one step forward or two steps. You know, I did the whole thing. And and I'd say God was patient. God was kind. So be patient with yourself. You're going to have bad days. Sometimes that mountain of pain is going to sound loud. But remember, mm -hmm. the mountain of God can be bigger. The mountain of God Amen. can be greater than the mountain of pain. So God is merciful. So let's let's live in the mercy. Amen. Amen. Well, Mark, I just want to honor you and affirm what you're doing, sharing what you've shared in the book and kind of laying out not only your story, but also wisdom to share with others to that may have experienced something in the past to live out the life uh, they would want to live. And so I just want to give you an opportunity. People want to connect with you uh, to learn more about you, your ministry, or where they can best order the book from. Sure. What's, what are some sure. ways people can connect with you? Well, first of all, my name is Mark Sowersby. Mark Sowersby, like a sower and a bee, right? So Mark Sowersby. You can find me at forgivingthenightmare.com forgivingthenightmare.com that's probably the best place I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter I'm on Instagram, I'm in LinkedIn uh, either by my name or the Ministry of 
mixture of two. Uh, but believe it or not, my book is on Amazon. So you can go to Amazon, you can look up books, put in Forgiving the Nightmare, and you can order it there. Or you can go to the website, forgivingthenightmare.com, and order it there. Or if you want to see some blogs I've written or videos I've made or just want to connect with me, uh, pray with me or share me uh, an email or a story or, or some way we can connect one with another, forgivingthenightmare.com is the best way to get a hold of me. Well, excellent. Well, Mark, I just want to honor you again. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today and share a little bit of your story, share a little bit about your book. I hope people go out and read the book like I have, order copies, send it to friends, maybe that someone's struggling with something they need to forgive. Because um, we don't all have the same kind of experiences with one another, but we all have situations where we do need to forgive ourselves for something in the past right. or forgive That's others right. in our lives That's right. for things that have occurred. And I think it's just a, a powerful book and enlightens me as a reader into ways to go about doing that in our lives. So well, thank I'm you for putting it to paper. Thank you for having me. Oops. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I just like to, uh, again, say thank you for being with us. I always just encourage my listeners just to, or guests just to go out there and live a life of greatness, you know, and then just yeah. go out there. And I know you're working on just trying to reflect the love of Christ in all that you do. And I appreciate you and God bless you. God bless you too. Thank you. All right. 